Welcome to SimCast, the higher education simulation podcast. Thank you very much for joining us today. My name's Lawrence Hill, and I'm the chair of the school's simulation group at UEA Norwich. Hello, everyone. My name's Tony Jeremy. I'm the academic lead for simulation-based education here at UEA Norwich. If you enjoy the video, please give us a like. Equally so, if you don't like it, please hit the dislike button, but let us know in the comments why, because we're always keen to improve. So today we are joined by Dr. Jason Corner. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason. Jason's a lecturer in mental health nursing here at UEA, uh, and he's the current course director for the MSC Mental Health Nursing Programme, uh, and is the former nursing practice and simulation lead in year three for nurses on the BSc curriculum at UEA Norwich. So Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for asking me. Absolute pleasure. Um, if you wouldn't mind, Jason, just uh, starting us off, um, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, it always makes me laugh. Uh, the, the the doctor part, you know, I, I sort of embarrassed about it and equally proud of it in uh, sort of equal measure because uh, my friends uh, from when I was a teenager definitely don't identify me as a candidate for becoming one. So it's always a constant source of amusement. Um, and I suppose that's underpinned a lot of what I do and sort of, um, yeah, I, I can see that in the way that I approach um, facilitation and lessons and the creation of resources. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I suppose if I was summarising um, myself, I guess I would say that, um, you know, I'm a clinician, a nurse who works with people who have dementia, um, substance misuse as well. Um, I work as an independent mental capacity assessment uh, for law firms. Um, I'm also clinically active on the wards. Um, and I'm a runner and a family. And I really believe in community and how community is absolutely fundamental to everything we do in our private lives but also in the educational community oh awesome thank you very much for that that's really nice to get that kind of more holistic feel for who you are at the start of this podcast yeah and i'm sure if any of our uh, learners are watching they'll uh, have learned a little bit more about you as well yeah, yeah absolutely so um what is your role at uea now it was mentioned a bit in the introduction but can you tell us a bit about what you do at university of east anglia yeah, you sort of summed it up quite well at the start. Um, so the I used to be the module organiser for nursing practice and simulation in the final um, year of the BSE programme. And when I was asked to do that role, or volunteered myself, I should say, um, I was really apprehensive about it. As a mental health nurse, you can often um see skills or simulations, something that re requiring um, equipment. Yeah, and you have to possibly be, or at that time, I thought you had to be really creative or it was really tricky to convey um, sort of talking or paper skills to um, a learner audience. Um, but I'm glad I got it because it it's really possible. You know, I, I would say it's, um, yeah, it, it really made me think about what a skill is. Um, and I did that for two years. Um, and... After that, I sought out a new challenge, which was to take on the MSc course director. Mm. Um, and within that, we have a lot of international students, which has created a wonderful opportunity to see um, how important community is. I'm probably going to say that word a lot. 
Um, and I suppose there's other things you, you do as an academic. You sort of, um, it, it's really nice that you can um, hold on to things that you find interesting and get involved in little projects that sort of uh, complement your work. Mm. So, yeah, I love that about Moral. Great. One of the reasons that we've asked you here today, Jason, is in your previous role as mm. the Nurse in Practice and Simulation 3 lead, the end of your module culminated in a very large scale simulation yeah. event. So just listening to you, you kind of, you, you had your own simulation journey moving mm. into simulation when mm. you came into the, the role in academia. Mm. And then you thought, well, that's not challenging enough. I'm going to finish it off with this really large scale simulation event. Yeah. So the year goes out with a bang, doesn't it? A really big bang. It was an accident. <laughs> okay, go on, tell us about it. I'd like to take, so a bit of context for this is um, the first year, uh, this was the first year it had run as well. Okay. So this was a new curriculum, it was a new cohort um, that had been through the course um, and because of the COVID-y lockdown-y situation, mm. we were designing it in kind of isolation, very remotely, which had a whole host of challenges. Um, and one of those challenges was, um, a, you know, I think the value in a learning community like this is the microsystem. It's being able to just have like a five minute um, chat or not even that, like 30 seconds, have, you know, and all of that in the corridor. Um, I don't think that the value of that is acknowledged as much as we should do. Um, and doing everything remotely required a kind of formalised process of talking to people. I think now we use things like MS Teams a little more informally, you know, mm. quick call and those. But at that time, it was the first time it, no one even knew what MS Teams was. No. And, you know, Zoom share price went through the roof mm. and it was because no one had used it um, until that point. Um, so it was really challenging. I just remember being sat in um, the planning phase for it and I'd sort of mapped everything out and thought this is how it relates to the learning outcomes of the module. And I had one gap at the end left and we're getting towards the end of the meeting and um, it just kind of fell out of my mouth. And it, 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 I say that, I wanted to devalue it. It was like it did seem like the culmination mm. of not just that module, but the third year. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could um, have this big event and we could turn the bottom floor of our ecb into it because it already looks a bit hospitally into the a hospital edith cavill building the isn't edith it? Cavill yeah. Bill. yeah so it's like this dedicated nursing building and part of it is like this big um bedded unit you know it looks like a hospital ward um and it came out of my mouth and i thought oh that sounds really good that sounds really good and i hadn't long been employed i suppose i'd been part-time and stuff and i was a bit naive to that you know what a big scale event meant um, and all the experienced members, they said, uh, I just heard, well, that's ambitious. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> and Always I, loaded the word ambitious. Isn't I it? had no idea. Yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of the evolution of it. And then we did a dry run last year and it went, you know, it went all right. Um, and we learned a whole bunch of stuff that we did a sort of what I would call a more sort of robust um, event this year. Um, and again, there's always learning, isn't there? But yeah, it was um, that's kind of the evolution. Okay, so let's, let's rewind back a little bit. You, you get the green light, mm. if you like, to do this mm. large-scale event yeah. with a nursing cohort. And we had uh, we had your colleague, Joe Ellis-Gage, on the last episode. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah, yeah. he was saying that your cohort's anywhere between sort of 200 to 250 yeah. nurses. Yeah. So you've got this event in mind. Where do you go from there? 
So I suppose th- this is in where it's in two blocks. So the version that we did, first of all, the kind of pilot event, yeah. it really was in, I was using, I was constantly learning about these big scale events because we even within the module, you know, we, we, we would split the cohort in half and you would have about 120 students on the Monday and 120 students on the Thursday. So there's a lot of students twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned uh, the hard way that when you've got that many students, you have to keep your simulation simple. Yeah. And I also learned a really useful principle, which is if I take control of the rules of a simulation, everyone uses me as the point of what are we doing? Um, Whereas if I give the sort of the, the power to the students to kind of take ownership over the simulation in a big scale event, it works really well because they design it, they talk to each other, they get it. You, it's almost like it's better for you to, at that point, leave the room and say, we want this, you work together, you get into small groups and sort of, and then I'll come back in and you tell me how you think it's going to, and what they've done and they don't realise it is that they've, A, taken ownership, but B, they've all been cross-referencing how it's going to work and how it's going to play out. Whereas my set of rules, everyone has to learn that, everyone gets a bit confused, everyone has to check with me what the rules are. Mm. And it's this, um, it creates confusion, it creates havoc in big scale events. So simplicity. Okay, interesting. So you set out with the idea of creating a nice, simple simulation event mm. and then organised the most enormous major incident simulation that I've ever seen. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So, I, I'm, you know, I'm terrible at this. I did this with Joe, actually. We walked around the lake. This was at the end of one of the lockdowns. And uh, I said, I wonder, like, we could do this. If, like, why don't we do a million steps around the UEA lake? And I don't think it through. I just say something like that. And um, we, we we got once around. He said, well, that was 2,000 steps on my watch. And I said, oh, yeah, cool. We'll do that then. We'll do it. Um, there's International Men's Day is coming up. So we'll do a million steps combined. It'd be really nice. We're coming out of lockdowns. We can get together and it'll be like a nice outdoor thing that we can do. And he worked it out and he was like, there's no way you're going to do it. And that's like a red flag to a ball for me. So that, 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 that was a... That sounds a bit ambitious there. Yeah. yeah. If I hear those words, I'm yeah. like, well... Like, like, challenge know, accepted. Yeah, that's a massive character defect. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. But I I think the way that it turned out in terms of... I had three rules for the day for this big simulation event. I'd learned in that first pilot last year that you need to keep it simple. So the three rules were um, that um, know your ward, um, know your role. Um, and then it was, I, <laughs> see, this is how simple it is. See, I've forgotten my third rule that I had. <laughs> but, but It sounds as, like the first two are key though. Yeah. So in your planning event, when you pitch up, you need to know what you're doing and where you're doing it. Mm. Because students for all of your best intentions with the we had planning events we, i did videos i did green screen stuff i write it down all of this stuff this housekeeping um for for all of your best intentions you know not everyone's going to do that it happens in their third year they're really busy they've got so much going on mm-hmm. to ask them to sort of sit down with loads of resources and sort of uh, prepare for it you know it's a bit I, you know, I, I, if I was honest, I'm not sure I would. So, yeah. I mean, an observation that I would make is that it's quite a, a kind of different philosophical approach to organising a simulation event than I think mm. probably most people would be familiar or perhaps mm. even comfortable with. Mm. 
that generally speaking, a simulation event is a curated learning event that mm. has very constrained intended learning outcomes mm. um, and that it is designed to be replicable but interactive. Mm. The nature of the simulation event that you organise, and we should probably get you to talk through that as a timeline, mm -hmm. um, but the nature of that, because it was so organic, mm. was completely unique. Mm. Uh, and the, the interactions that took place over the course of that were were completely unpredictable in in, in, in a mm. lot of ways. And you need to get okay with that. The, the moment, so a lot of the feedback will be um, around, we didn't have this, we didn't have that. But um, you, you do need facilitators that are good at thinking on their feet and sort of creating the simulation. Mm. Um but, but those sorts of um, comments from people, feel that they're based in a kind of insecurity. It's, mm. it's not necessarily um, about, I, I wanted a set of rules, because you don't know how something of that size is going to play no, out. And, and in a major incident, there is, there is often a set of, there's a major incident process or policy, yeah. but actually the implementation of that policy is always a little bit, there's always a gap between what you imagine is going to happen and what really happens with, in practice. With, yeah. with very experienced clinicians, let alone yeah. third-year mm. nurses who, mm. you know, are experienced because they're third-year nurses, but certainly not in, in, in the same yeah. regard in terms yeah. of dealing so with I, So I think that tact of having it, it kind of emerge from this sort of organic generation from students and from a lot, lot of work that you put in, whilst that might not be kind of optimal for a more constrained situation like uh you know like a, a series of part task kind of training events actually because it was intended to simulate something which was by by its nature kind of had elements of chaos and complexity mm. i think it was it was a good simulation in that mm. respect for something which is naturally chaotic and mm. uh, and confusing you, you actually see it so so what i do is on the day i get here ridiculously early like because uh, your anxiety is up it's a big thing um so when when you say yeah. big thing jason yeah when you've talked about know your ward how how many different simulation environments are we talking about okay so um so within that cohort we had uh, i'd say it's about 240 bsc students we okay. also had 35 msc student nursing students join us we had i don't i think it's probably about Oh, we had two schools come in, so a total of about 20, 25 school children. We had five people who were living with a learning disability. We had people with substance. So there's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So you, what you need to do, one of my worries is you've got that many people. Is everyone going to have a worthwhile experience? Yeah. Are people going to be twiddling their thumbs? Because it, it's difficult to create roles. So we have, going through the building, we have a kind of an, an emergency department area for paediatric and for adult. Then we have... Um, a ward for paediatric, a ward um, for adults. Then we have minor injuries. Minor injuries is really interesting. It sounds like students like, I don't want to do minor injuries, but when they get there, it's quite funky. Um, we had a mental health liaison, huge department. We had um, a mental health ward. There was some, That was interesting, actually. There was something in the debrief that came up that was really interesting about that. Um, then we have the lounge area and the lounge area, it, this is something that if I, we, we're going to, Joe's going to pick up this module and, um, he's evolving it and this lounge area, I thought it was all right. Um, but there was, there was a process clear in my head that didn't quite, it panned out to start off with and it very quickly broke down, which was interesting. 
Um, but you had the CQC, you had some researchers, you had the discharge planning, and all everyone that went to the wards eventually would be discharged through this process, and then from there discharged into the lecture theatre. And the lecture theatre was like home. You, mm. you know, you've made it home. And the idea was that they would come into the lecture theatre because we had a morning shift and an afternoon shift, and we could discuss their patient journey. So we debrief in a way as they came through. And it was if we felt the discharge could have, you know, there was some um, maybe improvements that could be made. Maybe we'd return them to the simulation and those sorts of things. Mm. Um, yeah, so so the creation of all of these roles um, is, you know, it's important. It sort of holds it together because you'll notice it. You'll notice it in a debrief that the students will be uh, really, or you will, everyone in will be acutely aware of an area of the hospital that isn't there and isn't present. Yeah, because because of the the degree of authenticity you went for in the simulation, you had to have that fine grained detail. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it would have fallen down, mm. which made mm. an enormous amount of work in terms of preparation. Mm. But could you could what? So what was the event itself then? So there was a, there was a big thing that happened, but before then, it was business as usual, wasn't it? Yeah, and is this uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that an improvement on the first yeah. iteration? The yeah. first iteration started with a critical event, whereas <laughs> yeah. the second one you started with work as normal and then a critical event. Yeah, uh, you've got a balance here. You've got a balance between uh, creating enough casualties because yeah. you've got, you know, and, and you can't, you, well, you could have just a working functional hospital, but I think the students kind of like a little bit of a kind of, you know, there's something going on. And it is valuable to know what to do in a major incident. Um, so yeah, the first time we did it, the, what we noticed was, Hey, we didn't have enough walkie talkies, simple things like that communication. Yeah. So there was lots of people who were kind of standing there whilst you got a good half an hour before people are triaged from the accident mm. sites. We had two accident sites through to like a ward, you know, which is a bit boring. <laughs> um, so this time we had patients starting in situ who were just experiencing like the normal hospital. Um, and that was great. That got people sort of stuck into assessments. It got lots and lots of um, low-level conversations going on between the different disciplines as well, which is really important. So they're sort of already doing the normal business of the day when a it was a gas explosion happens in the picnic area. And then what we had that was a big iteration from the last year is we had your good selves there. Oh, I forgot to mention we had the theatre as well. Yeah, the, the paramedic theater. students were there, weren't they? The paramedic students were mm. there um, with the lecturers and our nursing students sort of uh, paired up. And, and the, they were nursing students who were really focused in on emergency department care mm -hmm. and they loved it. They fed back so well about that because it was an area that they kind of had, they, they got confidence that they know what they're doing but they also saw the other side mm. of the nursing practice, which I think they really enjoyed. Some of them were like, I want to do paramedic science now. What I <laughs> it was a recruitment event for paramedics. Really. Yeah, no, it worked. What, what, I, what I really enjoyed was um, the, the how the ambience in the building changed as the as the sort of as it mm. as it as it kind of emerged that mm. something had happened. It was like this it sort of spread through mm. through the mm. department and that's what happens in a real hospital mm. yeah. you, you get a big event happen you 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 get little communications through wards and different environments oh did you hear that so and so is going on yeah and if i was the person who was organizing this in whatever institution you're going to have a moment where you think this is all falling apart in the morning 
Um, and it's important to have a planning phase, a really substantial planning phase. That's something we changed from the first year. In the first year, we kind of had like a little bit of like 45 minutes, nowhere enough. You need a good two hours in this size of event for moulage, like the wounds, we yeah. had some, we could maybe come back to that, but like we had some amazing um, students that put their hands up to create wounds. Um, and what I had was, I had this moment of like, this is all going pear-shaped at about nine o'clock when everyone came in and I was getting a lot of, what am I doing? Where am I? Remember the two rules, know your role, know your ward. Yeah, I'd hammered that home, just two things, but you still get that. Um, and I was like, oh, not sure about this. Mm. Then I came back out of, um, I was in the moulage, came back out after 20 minutes and it was quiet. The paramedic just sat quietly. Everyone knew what they were doing. Yeah. So the teams set their own mm. operating procedures for their environments. Yeah. And that, I think that might have been the third rule. <laughs> um, so the, the the two hours in the morning is for them to have a break before it all starts. They need that. They need, you know, fluid and all of those sorts of things. But it's intended for them. And, and 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 quite rightly, they feel a bit insecure in that moment, you know, a little bit what's going on. And you, you can see it. It's almost like, oh, this doesn't feel safe. I don't know what I'm doing. And and all of the facilitators are told, if you're asked, what am I doing? Your response is, what are you doing? You know, speak to your colleagues. And they start to move around the wards. They start to pair up. Someone starts to take control. That's interesting who takes control. Each area has a charge nurse, one point of sort of that sort of um, management system, I guess. Um, and it's interesting. You just visually see it. You see them talking. You see them each ward in their own way, creating their operating procedure and then speaking to the other wards. And you just see the noise just drops. And then you get to the point, there's a point, wasn't there, where we thought oh, we could start this a little bit earlier because mm. it just calms down. You do one last walk for as the organizer say, you ready, you ready? And they're like, yeah, you know what we're doing. And then you start. So give yourself plenty of time for a big event like this. And Definitely. If, if you've got surplus, then you can start the event. Yeah. Now. Because I, well, I'll speak about it now. So the, the moulage um, is fundamental. It's fundamental to the authenticity. Um, so the wound moulage, the people that make up the wounds, um, you know, I, did, I, I learned a lot from this time around. The first time we did it, we were sort of like, it turned up and we were like, how do we make a wound? And, and, it, and was, it was very much a bottleneck, wasn't it, to get the rest of the... Yeah, and that's probably, if you're doing this big scale event, that's probably a bottleneck. So get those people in maybe half an hour early. Um, you need more people on makeup than you think you do. Yeah, like the first year we had two or three, we were lucky that we had one of our nursing students worked in um, film set makeup. It was just a coincidence. She pitched up, said, I missed the planning day. What can I do? I said, what are your skills? And it like it was like some miracle had walked through the door. <laughs> but she was one person and she was very stressed out. What we had this time is I'd learned from that. And it was when I was doing the planning day, had all the students in the lecture theatre. And I said, the very first thing we need to do, because it's the bottleneck, is we need to know who are our makeup artists. And you, and then I explained the parameters of what they'll be doing, is that you, you won't have a huge amount of exposure to the simulation, but you're absolutely fundamental. And about four of their hands shot up. There were people that may be a bit more shy of the what this big critical incident is. But equally, they it turns out they make um, zombie sort of costumes in their free time. And I would suggest if you've got Amazing. cohort... Yeah, exactly. But I would suggest cohort that... that large, you're going to probably have people with those skill sets. You're going to yeah. have diverse talents, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, and they then offered training to... I had 10 people for that cohort. Oh, you, wow. you, yeah, you need a lot. And... Their wounds were incredible. They, they were. They, they created um, 
ulcers that you push them and they yeah you get and we had bits sticking out didn't we we had cutlery embedded in people yeah you were were talking about some of the photos you know if the photos allied to this we've got you can see the quality of the wounds and it really changes your assessment we'll get some of those photos up so that we can we can have a look at them yeah yeah definitely the how do you deal with the, the sheer number of patients that you have how does that work yeah that's tricky so um you've got lots of competing demands and it is a real pressure. So what I wanted, what I learned from the first year was that the school children definitely added value, like 100%. This time, good relationships with the schools. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I, the first year I was like, well, what happens? It's still, we're in the tail end of COVID. If the driver gets COVID, we've got no patients. Mm. So I asked two schools this time. So you, you know, mm. um, the school children are all right. You, you have to give them, um, you have to, I nominated our, some of our nursing students to be their, their point of contact. And the nursing students were briefed on these, are the, they had little character cards with symptoms on broken down by biopsychosocial, just very simple things. I'd underestimated their skills. They were drama students um, and they were amazing. Their mm. acting was absolutely like, amazing. The people who have learning disabilities um, you know, it, it, it's sad that it was it was quite difficult to uh, get access to this group of people, and they added massive value. Mm. Like it, it's an area of our sort of um, curriculum that is really hard to get the views of that group of people, um, and they were fantastic. And also, this kind of like um, you can get a bit worried about risk and paternalism. They pitched up and they were like, yep, what are we doing? Some refreshments, created their characters as well. Yeah. You know, I said, you can play yourselves if you want to. Like, no, I'm going to create my own character and really getting into it. I distinctly remember as well that mm. they're, they're, some of their contributions in the debrief yeah. were, were, re- were really quite powerful. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm sure when we talk about the debrief, we can talk about how, you know, you know that we could optimise that sort of feedback as well. Mm. Um, people with substance misuse, you know, given their experience. Yeah, so I would say it's massively important that you have authenticity there. I would find it really sad if I didn't have someone involved in a simulation because I was worried about some risk of exposing. You know, people, um, no matter what sort of disorder they might have, they they still have an appreciation that what you're doing is, you know, is... um, you know, it's not real. It's, it's a little bit. I think it's over paternal to think that you you'd have to shelter them and they couldn't attend to that. My experience is they pitch up, they go, "Yeah, we get it," and they crack on with things. Mm. That's um, yeah, yeah. It's it's a tricky one, isn't it? As well, because it's it's clearly a a pretty significant event. We're talking about scores of injured children. You know, some people might say that poses a significant risk of psychological harm. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but with but with the right briefing and with the right, you know, background and preparation and opportunity for debrief, yeah. you know, perhaps we, sh- we shouldn't avoid doing difficult things just because they carry a risk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do you know what? I don't. I don't I, at one point, actually, this was in the first year, and this is where I learned um, to sort about this risk, was in the first pilot event we did last year, I was really worried about this. I was really mindful. I don't want to create and you know, like I'd offered like follow-up sessions in the school and all of this sorts of things. And the head teacher um, at one point said, you can back off. Yeah, <laughs> like, they loved it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it is this idea, you know, 
Absolutely. If I thought I had someone that couldn't differentiate between um, this being a simulation, this being reality, then, you know, I, but I, I think, you'd, yeah, it's they, they, not been my experience. They love the event so much that they publicise it on their, their own school website. Yeah, in real time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I mean, yeah, we're mindful well, of Facebook risk. Live. Yeah. Live yeah. streaming the event on the school website. Not not quite that far. No, yeah. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they've put photos up and, and, and talked about the um, the value of the event. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I, I suppose it's an emerging thing. It's an emerging thing in simulation is having people receiving what might be seen as some form of clinical assessment or clinical intervention. And at what point does it transition from learning to that, to me receiving direct feedback on a condition? Um and I think we just worry about it too much. I think we're, we're right to think about it, but I think our sort of line in the sand is 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 off. And I, I think it verges on exclusion as well. So mm. if, I think that would be my argument. If someone mm. said to me, um, no, we can't do that, it's too risky, I'd say that's that's exclusive. It, you know, it, sure. it, it's a presumption that person can't deal with it. It's, it's, you know, it's a little bit patronising as well. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's a, that's a great viewpoint. And... Um, yeah, and and refreshing as well. Yeah. So, Jason, how do you how do you try and keep track of everything that's going on? Is that even a thing? And also, then, how after mm. the event, how do you debrief something this size? Yeah, that's the bit that is messy, and that is the bit that I, um, with Joe doing it next year, needs work. Um, it had been my intention. So this is the this is where the scale of the events kind of gets. Um, you see it play out. Um, originally it was my intention to have a sort of hot debrief in the ward areas and that was purely a logistical thing that probably the ward areas it would be quite small intimate I'd learned from the previous year that big debriefs they tend to be everyone feels vulnerable everyone feels a little bit raw Mm. and you probably need a smaller space to just get that stuff off your chest and and um, so I was trying to avoid the big debrief, but it just panned out on the day um, that we had two smaller debrief areas. Um, one was the paediatric area, which combined, and another was, um, I think it was mental health and the uh, ward areas combined, um, but smaller. So like about 30 odd students. And then we had the lecture theatre. Which, uh, which you and I kind of co-debrief didn't we yeah uh, i think i was you i was i was at the front trying to debrief i think about 200 learners in it was a lot and i think one of the that was one of the the major challenges for me i, I found that a very challenging experience mm. to to do mm-hmm. um and i think it was partly because there was such variety mm. in in the learner's experience because yeah. of this like earthy kind of emergent natural feeling mm. experience there wasn't there it was very difficult for like each individual to have oversight of the kind of the, the overarching picture of what was happening mm. at which was reflective of the nature of major incidents so mm. in that respect it was really authentic and, and that's <clears throat> i think it was verging on almost impossible to capture that because w- mm. You mentioned that you had a uh, an AM and a PM mm-hmm. um, shift change. Mm-hmm. So the people who weren't actively taking part were in the lecture theatre watching remotely, and we yeah. had multiple rooms up on our smots cameras on yeah, the, yeah. On oh, the AV cameras. Yeah. Mm. 
and we couldn't have any sound on because it was just chaotic. So we yeah. were just watching the pictures, weren't we? And even mm. just trying to keep track of what was going on simultaneously mm. was really, really challenging. Mm. So yeah, trying to find that kind of one the sweet storyline, the sweet spot. Yeah, because I, I think the question for me um, would be how big and complex, right, is too big and complex for a simulation of this nature? Um, yeah, I suppose I, I, well, the way I see it, so, so in terms of the actual simulation itself, I thought it was fantastic. You know, it really panned out as I'd intended with a few sort of minor things that you, you know, you could see that evolving year on year until it was really probably quite slick in sort of two years or three years. So I, I, mm. that, that didn't concern me. Um, the, the, the debrief and how you turn it into, um, something where the students go away because a lot of students will go i enjoyed that they'll go away and they won't overthink it yeah they'll mm. be on to sort of the next thing and they'll go yeah, yeah that's cool um but there'll, there'll be a lot of students that are kind of thinking well what did i get from that? what did i learn mm. from that other than it being a kind of experience and i kind of understand it's like you know this ambitious experience and that's where the debrief is really really uh, poignant for those people and it might be in that moment that they need and this is why the big group doesn't work because in the big group, the, the key part of this big event is for them pre-qualification to kind of reflect on some of the things that they found really uncomfortable in themselves. Um, so it might be around decision-making. It might be about speaking to someone they've never met before in a different clinical role. It might be about, you know, less less often perhaps a particular skill or something like that. But there'll be something something that's a bit uncomfortable in them and then you need a really skilled, safe environment that's quite small for them to feel okay about sort of saying that. Because yeah, in, it. in the big debrief area, it comes out sideways. And it, it would in me, you know, mm -hmm. it's that kind of like, it, I could feel it in myself as the organiser, as, as it turns into a bit of a module evaluation. And when that happens, you kind of, kind of like, oh, it feels mm. like I've been knifed. It, take, yeah. it takes a big person to show vulnerability in front of 200 other people, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, who's going to do that? Yeah. Who's designed to do yeah. that? Whereas actually in groups that I did actually walk because I had to say uh, the, the school children left slightly early. So I had to sort of like go and get them. And I, I left this big debrief where it was really, it was quite raw, you know, and it was, it, there was lots of sort of adrenaline in there. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't think that was just in my stomach. I think that was in sort of everyone's. Um, and then I walked into the two smaller debriefs and totally different. Yeah. Totally mm. different. And, yeah, just you could visually see it, and you could, you could definitely hear so, it. I think that was so the logistics almost science. got in the way of yeah. the, yeah. the quality yeah. of the yeah. and, and that's, that's probably easy to solve. Actually, it was probably just um, it, you have a proportion of people that aren't necessarily allied to the ward. So, for example, the moulage crew, the CQ. There's people who are kind of wandering free reign through the simulation. And it is purely a logistical thing that once the simulation finishes, you probably have like a lunch break and then it's making sure everyone knows where they're going. And the default answer is go to the lecture theater. And mm. then you create this just mass Stacked flow up, yeah. of people. So it, it's something to consider. Sure. Small yeah. groups. That's the summary. Cause though. it, cause I, I was unsure how to proceed with the debrief. So I, I resorted to, to using our, our yeah. HSE debriefing model. Yeah, yeah. So it was a case of, you know, reviewing yeah. any kind of big feelings. Yeah. Which, which there were. Yeah. And then it was a case of kind of trying to review the facts of, yeah. the, of what had happened. But yeah. of course, everyone's sort of trajectory through the simulation yeah, was so totally different. different. That was yeah. the, and then it was a case of 
you know, review the learning outcomes. And, you know, from mm. what you're saying, the, the, the kind of intended learning outcomes were quite personal mm. Um, mm. and that they were individualized. Mm. So then again, creating this sort of group cohesion in a cohort of 200, when mm. we had, you know, the, 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 the people with learning disabilities and we had the, the children's nurses and we had the, all of these different groups. It, it was it was just a bit bewildering, I think, for for me personally to try and reconcile that. And like you say, smaller groups would have would have hugely simplified that. Yeah, and, you, and you're probably not going to. So so throughout the module, all of the groups there was eight groups, and they'd all been working in mixed fields, which I was worried about. But actually, it panned out really really well. There was yeah. loads and loads of shared learning, especially pre qualification, really important because that's anything that's been difficult in my clinical practice has always been at that boundary when you're meeting another clinician in a different realm and you feel that defensiveness of oh you know what am I going to have to do am I going to have to assert myself so it, that worked really well and uh, the f if I was doing it again next year my, my or my advice to anyone would be to kind of have that hot sort of reflective deal with that in small groups so that people don't go away sort of upset angry you know and, confused and those, confused all of that stuff deal with that and then you're just going to have to be okay that that kind of um, you know, you could bring some sort of closure to that within the debrief. People haven't cognitively got much left after the simulation. It's intense. Yeah. My brain was broken. We learned that in the first year. We did a morning simulation and an afternoon simulation. The afternoon simulation, it, you know, it was tricky. So in this debrief, um, people are already kind of cognitively challenged. You, you kind of need a seminar allied to it where you can come back in like a couple of days' time and then they they in you know once the heat has gone from it then they start to look at the learning outcomes there's loads yeah you mm. could glean so much mm. so from much. a yeah. a concrete experience like that you know think of Kolb's experiential learning cycle that yeah. concrete experience will stand out yeah. like a beacon yeah and actually, you can do so much work yeah. around, you know, reflecting on it and conceptualizing yeah. it and then thinking about future yeah. practice. So that's what I do. I, I, I think it's a fairly, you know, easy fix to then have a seminar allied to it, you know. And, it, and, it, and there was so much in there that you could yeah. sort of make use of. But yeah, it's a, it felt a little bit incomplete and it didn't quite sort of pan out as I but that's that's what you do with these things you know small or big you go for it and roll and, it over and glad you did go for it because you were in fact nominated for an award for this am yeah, I right? didn't win it no I didn't win it no <laughs> maybe, actually, I, maybe I need, deserve to win that it still doesn't Pro, sting does it I, I was no. nominated for two that I didn't win the moral of the story is I'm not, <laughs> not a quick, I'm not a quick thinker and um it, so yeah so that's my defense is that I don't interview well and it wasn't, well, I, it wasn't I all of your efforts. And actually, if you disagree with Dr. Jason Corner and you think he actually does interview well, I think if you could give us a like uh, for Dr. Jason Corner, I'm nice. sure that would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> nice job, <Robert. laughs> um, So yeah. I think probably we ought to think about starting to to segue to, mm. uh, towards something of a, a kind of a conclusion uh, mm. to this hugely complex sim. Mm. Yeah, you, Absolutely fascinating. We've barely scratched the surface, really. You've, you've definitely given, I think, lots of people some some uh, ideas if they're thinking about mm. setting something like this up. So what would be your golden nugget of, of advice? If, if there's someone watching this who has similar ambitions to you, mm. um, what would be your kind of key piece of advice to them? Keep it simple, because if you write a set of rules, a recipe for it, you're relying on everyone reading that recipe and remembering that recipe, um, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> I, for everyone's best intentions, 
it's not going to happen. Probably actually as well in that vein, keep it simple and ensure you have one massive pre-brief probably right at the start of the day. That's something that we actually did in the first year and we didn't do in the second year and it did actually set the scene really well for them. Mm. And it was purely, we didn't have a lecture theatre big enough. Um, sure. But yeah, keep it simple. We've talked about that before, that absolute the crucial nature of the briefing for Mm. for establishing Mm. psychological Mm. safety and giving direction. So Jason, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today Mm. to talk Mm. about your major incident. Thank you, Jason. It's been really, really interesting. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast uh, and you'd like to keep in touch with the rest of our podcast, please do like and subscribe and don't forget to check the notification bell. We're bringing you loads more higher education simulation-based content and we hope to see you on a podcast soon. Cheers, folks. Bye for now. Thanks very much, everyone. See you in the next one.